Amen. Take your Bible, go with me to Matthew 13, 31. I want to do some very practical uh, teaching tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm really just going to talk about some, uh, some culture-building uh, uh, church on the North Coast culture, uh, really. Some almost maintenance. I just want to do some maintenance. I'm, I may talk about uh, eight core values. I may end up talking about the five things we do, uh, but I'm going to start off in Matthew 13, uh, 31 to 32. It says, another parable he put to them, and he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a great tree. So the birds of the air come and rest, or come and nest in its branches. Now, what I want you to grab here and what I want you to take away from this, and I've preached this so many different ways over the years. I mean, it, it's all over my arm. I, I, I just, this is one of my, my core scriptures. I mean, this is one, when I, when I read it, every time I read it, I get something different, and I, and I absolutely, I love this, this principle. But what I want you to walk away with tonight is, is this one thing. I want you to understand that, that the, the, the small incremental Seeds that you're sowing today have massive consequence for your future. I want you to see that in the scripture. That, that this man took a mustard seed. And, you know, in, in the day that Jesus would have shared this, it would have been, you know, almost, uh, it, it, it just would have been heretical for Jesus to suggest that you take a mustard seed. Because a mustard seed's a weed. It's a, it's a weed, and, and Jesus is saying, it's like, a, it's like a weed, which a man intentionally puts in his garden. And when that weed, over time, is maintenance and taken care of, when that weed is watered, over time, when that weed is, is it systematically grows to such a proportion that it, it provides for more than just that man. It, it, like, it feeds his family. It feeds his generations. It, it provides shade. It gives rest to the, I call them dirty birds, and I'm a dirty bird, you know what I mean? And, and somebody planted a seed of the kingdom, and then I found the branches of that tree one time when I was weary and tired and needed rest, and I found that tree, and I came and I found rest in its branches. I'm a dirty bird. You're a dirty bird. And, and, and somewhere along the line, somebody sowed a seed, and the fowls of the air came. The unsaved, those who don't know Jesus, came and found rest in its branches. That means that somebody's sacrifice long time ago has had massive consequence in my life. And I want you to know today that the seeds you sow today, the tiny things that you're doing today in faith, have massive consequence for your children. Massive consequence for the future of this nation. You say, well, it, you know, it doesn't make that big a difference whether, you know, I come to church or whether I stay home or whether I give or whether I don't give. Listen to me. This scripture is pointing out, it's, it's telling you. It's te Jesus is telling you. He's like, listen, no, don't ever underestimate the smallness of what you're doing. Don't, don't, don't despise the small things of faith. And I want to talk today about creating a culture that gives attention to the details. Creating, I had this, I had this, uh, well, I didn't have it, but Precious had it, my daughter. She was a little girl. Uh, she always brought home animals. 
And one time, you know, I'm sure it, you, you've had this. She brought home a fish. She brought home a goldfish. And she put it in a one-gallon tank. And, and she was like, this is my fish. And I think, I forget what the fish's name was. You know, like Goldie or whatever. Goldie was it swimming around in the fish tank on the first day. And then, you, you know, about the second or third day, you notice that Goldie had pooped in, his, in her fish tank. And so there were strings of, you know, poop just swimming around. And, you know, she just swimming around in, her, in an ecosystem that is defiled by her excrement, you know. And then I said, I'm not cleaning it, you know. So I cleaned it. Well, I cleaned it, you know. But the next week, I said, I'm not cleaning it this week. I cleaned it the next week. And then the, 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 about three or four weeks later, I said, I'm not cleaning it. I don't care. I don't care if Goldie dies. I don't care. And then, you know, so I, I just ignored it. And I ignored it. And before long, I, I would walk into the, the kitchen and it was sitting, which is disgusting. It was in the kitchen. You know what I mean? Like right there where you cook your chicken nuggets and stuff, you know? And I, I, you couldn't see Goldie because it had become so disgusting in her tank. Because her, her ecosystem had filled up with like all of that. Yeah, and she just, and, and at one point, I'm thinking, I can't even see the, the fish in there, you know? I can't even see it. And, and you and I have an ecosystem that we live in. I, I want you to know, you and I are just like Goldie, swimming around in an ecosystem. And the, the, the difference is, is that, you know, y- you, you have a lot of space, and, you know, it, it, what you're swimming in determines what you manifest. The, the, and I want you to grab this. The degree or proportion of the kingdom that you operate in is a result of the ecosystem that you maintenance. Now, some of you have these really, you know, you ever see some people like Josh Cook. Man, this dude had a he had fish tank. What is going on over there? They want out. You know what I mean? The kids want out. Let us out! Uh, some, uh, like my boy Josh had this fish tank, and he, it was elaborate. You know, it had all the different colored rocks and the coral and all of it. And, you know, it was, it, it was, an, it was an amazing ecosystem where, you know, it, it just, it, the fish thrived in that, in that ecosystem. And, and I want to ask you a question. How is your ecosystem? Like, how's, how's, like, if you were to assess the ecosystem of faith that you live in, do you find yourself living, thriving in the ecosystem of faith today? How's your home? How's your relationships? How's your ecosystem that, that you're swimming in? I want to share with you something I, I, uh, I, I, got, I got from Craig Rochelle, and this is... Uh, Four characteristics of a thriving environment. Four characteristics of an ecosystem that is thriving. And the first, I'll just read them all. Uh, First of all, uh, a thriving ecosystem requires a mission to accomplish, a culture to embrace, a place to grow, and people to enjoy. He says if you have those four components, and there's a few more, but if you have those four major components, and I'll read them again, a mission to accomplish, like, in your ecosystem of life that you live in, like Goldie, 
do you have a mission that you're attached to? That's what 30,000, that's why 30,000 is important to you. Because what it does is it attaches you to something bigger and greater than you. And in order for you to thrive in an ecosystem, you need something. You need a mission so big that it's bigger than you and it challenges you. Do you have, in your ecosystem, do you have a mission to accomplish? Are you, are you, are you contributing to a mission that's massive? Ask yourself that. Number two, do, do you have a culture to embrace? And I'm gonna come back to this and, and we'll, we'll, we'll focus here, but, but, but do you have a culture to embrace in your ecosystem? Meaning like, like are, you, are you jiving? Do you, do you, do you really enjoy the, the culture you're in? Like the, like the people, the, 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 the sounds, the, the, the food, like all of the, all of, do you have a culture that you're, that you're a part of, that, that's unique to you and, and your tribe? Do you have a culture to embrace? Uh, do you have a place to grow? Does your ecosystem allow you to get bigger or does it restrict you? Are you restricted? Let me tell you something. If you, you don't wanna be in a one gallon fish tank. You wanna be, and, and you ask yourself, am I, am I able to grow in the circle of friends I hang around with? It, are, am I encouraged? Is growth encouraged in my family? Is growth encouraged? Am I, am I, am I applauded to, to grow bigger? Is the, is the place you're in allowing you to grow? Is it challenging you to grow? Are you growing or is it restricting you? Is it is it insecure about your growth? Is it pulling you down? Uh, there are some people you get around and they're fine. They're fine with you, you know, doing okay, but just don't do okayer than them. Right? Right? They're cool. They're cool with you doing, like, once you get to a certain point, like, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with your anointing being here. Just don't let your anointing be better than mine. Right? I'm cool with you being here. Just don't be, make more money than me. Just don't, you know, just don't go write books. Just don't, go, just don't exceed me. Are, or are you around people that are challenging you and shoving you forward and saying, go, grow. Go grow for us all. Challenge us all. You know, it, it, you know lift the ceiling for our children. Is, are you in a place like that? Because you know, those, those characteristics, they, they just, you thrive in, in a place like that. Uh, number four, do you, do you enjoy people? Do you enjoy the people? Uh, are you happy with the people you're around? Are you, are, do you, are, like, are you celebrated by the people you're around? Or are they, just, are, are they just pulling you down? Are they just a misery to you? Do you just find yourself like discouraged by being around everybody, you know? There you go. So, so four characteristics of a thriving ecosystem, a mission to accomplish, a culture to embrace, a place to grow, and people to enjoy. Now I want you to know this. Culture is intentional. It's not accidental. Whatever you, the ecosystem you're living in today is a choice. Stop telling yourself that you're a victim. You're not. Unlike Goldie, you can take yourself out of a fish tank and find a fish tank. You can get out of a bad situation. You're not a victim of, of the things that are happening to you. Now, I, I want you to know that the, the ecosystem you're in today is your choice. So you have to, but 
if you don't take care of your ecosystem, you'll be like Goldie. You'll be suffocating. You'll be suffocating because, because nobody's cleaning it. Now, if we're going to, if, if, Culture is intentional, not accidental. Then we have to we have to maintenance the fishbowl we're living in, and that's what I want to talk about for a little bit tonight. How to maintenance the fishbowl you're living in. Number one, here's how you how you maintenance your culture. Your attitude. Your attitude. Do you have here? Do you have a good attitude? Do the people around you? Have a good attitude. Here's how you, here's how you, if the, the cure for a bad attitude is gratitude. If you find yourself consistently being cynical, bitter, pessimistic, negative, I would challenge you to become more grateful for what God's doing in your life. It's impossible it's impossible. You know, if you were to ask me, would you rather have somebody who's off the chart smart, has incredible talent, or would you rather have somebody with an amazing attitude but dumb as a brick? I would go with dumb as a brick, amazing attitude every time, hands down. Every time. I would go, just give me the person that has a, I can, we can do it no matter what attitude. God's, God's for us, not against us. I want to be around, I want to be around people that, that have great attitudes, who are full of gratefulness and thankfulness. I, but you, we all know somebody. We all know somebody when you get around them. It's just like, yeah, you know, whatever, you know. It's a bad attitude. So in a bad attitude is contagious. I want you to know that. Attitudes are contagious. There's, there's a study they did. There's, like your emotions are contagious. I want you to know that. Your emotions, literally they are contagious. They did this study. Check this out. They did this study. They took the sweat of a guy who is getting ready to jump out of an airplane. They put like these pads underneath and they took his sweat, which is disgusting to think about, but just follow me for a second. They took his sweat and they put it in, uh, on the table. Then they, they took the sweat of somebody else who was getting ready to do something, you know, that was real fun and enjoyable, right? And they put their sweat on the table, and they asked people to smell them. This is gross. I know. I know. But what they found when the people sniffed was when the people sniffed the, the, the sweat of the guy who was getting ready to jump out of the airplane. Remember, his emotions are contagious. When they, when they sniffed that, they they instinctively, they caught his fear. They became afraid. Suddenly, by just because emotions are contagious. They took these people and they put them in a room. They put, this, they put people in a room. They had two rooms. They, and then they, they walked in a person. The room was neutral. Nobody was happy or sad. It was just like those people were in there. They just, and then they took a person. They intentionally put them in room A. And, and they said, go in there and just be happy. And the guy walks in, and he's just laughing, and he's smiling, and he's just like looking at his phone, giggling and everything. And you know what happened to the room? Everybody in the room starts to smile. Just like right now, you are all starting to smile. Everybody in the room starts to smile. And then they took this other room, and they put somebody in there, and they put this, like, Mr. Mr. Poopy Pants in there. And Mr. Poopy Pants walks in, and he's angry, and he's bitter, and he's looking at his phone, and he's just like, you know, he's just making, you know, these, these comments and everything. And suddenly the room matched his emotion. Your attitude is contagious. 
And if you're going to clean the fishbowl, you have to be responsible for what's yours. Now I ask you, in the fishbowl you live in, how's your attitude? What's your immediate response to to a problem? Here's how you can really self-assess. Here's how you can really self-assess. When problems come to the room, do you become negative and pessimistic and cynical? Or do you immediately go, you know what? Nah, man, we can do it. I believe, I believe there's, do you, see the, do you see the solve to the problem? Do you see an answer to problems? Or do you contribute to the, to the problem? We all know people, we all know people in our lives that, you know, we avoid them because I'm, I'm not gonna take a problem to this person because I take a problem to this person. This person's only just gonna magnify my problem. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go talk to Marlon. Marlon's gonna tell me everything's good. He's gonna smile. He's got a million dollar smile. He's gonna lean in. He's gonna touch his heart. He's gonna tell me, brother, you can do it. He's gonna tell me all the, he's, he's got a great attitude. How's your attitude? Your attitude, just like the seed, just like the tiny seed, the mustard seed that's sown. Your attitude has massive consequence. And, and, and it's, it's, it's one way or the other. That seed, that mustard seed that's sown in the kingdom, sown by faith, sown by faith is gonna grow into a massive tree and it's gonna provide kingdom rest, it's gonna provide kingdom provision for the future, or, or you're gonna sow a seed terrible attitude, can't do it, and you're going to discourage the hearts of God's people. Just know that when you walk into a room, your attitude matters. Your attitude matters. More, more than your coworkers, more than your other sisters and brothers, your attitude matters because you're the one God put in the room to change the attitude of the room. You're the one God put in the room to put faith in the room. You're the one God put on the job to put faith there. You're the one God put in that school room to put it. You're the one that God put in the car with that person to have that conversation, to change the destiny and direction of the life. Your attitude matters. Because you, you, you are either, look at here, look here. You're either cleaning, cleaning the poop from the fishbowl or you're pooping in the fishbowl. Right? Right? You're either making it easier for people or you're making it harder. And as people of faith, we, we have no choice. We have to, like, you gotta put on your, your kingdom pants. You know, you gotta gird and burn. Like, you know, you just gotta gird up your loins and, and keep your candles burning. And even when you're discouraged and even when your heart hurts, like, you, you, don't, you don't have a choice. You walk into a room and you instantly say, I'm responsible to change the direction of this room. I must bring faith into this room. Are you doing that? How's that going for you, right? So, so maintenance, you gotta maintenance your attitude. Number two, body language. Body language matters. <clears throat> People are affected by your, you're affected by your body language. Let me spiritualize this so, so, so you'll feel better about it, right? Your kingdom posture matters. Hmm? Your kingdom posture matters. Your body language is it's affecting you. When when you know there are cues, there are cues. There's 90, you know there are 98 cues 
that we send to one another, some of them spoken, but most of them are nonverbal. Most of them are nonverbal. What's the first thing you look at when somebody walks into the room? Most of you would say, oh, I look at your face. It's not true. There's a primal instinct in you to look at the hands. The reason you look at the hands is because, you know, it's innate. It's in you. You want to know, am I safe? Or is this person hiding something behind his back? So you instinctively pay attention to yourself. There are nonverbal cues that you send. This is why, like, good communicators use their hands. Because they're saying, look at me. I don't want you just to grab, I don't want to just grab the attention with your ears. I want to grab the attention with your eyes. I'm using my hands to pull you in. Body language matters. How you sit in a seat determines whether or not you believe in what the person's saying. Some of you are shaking your head right now. That's body language. And what it does to you, what it does to your, your mind is that it either engages you or disengages you from the conversation, from what's happening in the room. And so you think about the consequence, the small mustard seed consequence of a little thing like sitting right in a room, like paying attention, like, like creating a, like a heavenly posture, a kingdom posture to things that are sacred. Like what's your kingdom posture in this earth? How, how do you, how, what are you communicating to the people around you with your body language? The body of Christ. What's your body language to the body of Christ? You're either, right? You're either telling the room that the kingdom is, is important or you're, you're communicating passively, this doesn't matter. This, I'm, I'm better than this. Right? A lot of people, you know what's fascinating to me? I'll, I'll, I'll never understand this and you know, if you're here tonight, you're never going to get away with it. But here you go. I'll never understand how some people come to church and they'll be sitting here like this, right? And so when somebody speaks, yeah, see, see, most of you are looking at me. But there are certain individuals who have this crazy thing in their brain. They'll, they'll do this. I'll walk past them. I'll walk over there. They'll just look straight ahead. They're just looking straight ahead. And I'm like, I'm talking to you. Why are you looking at me? And, and what they're saying with their body language is, like, I'm not interested. And I'm thinking, if you're not interested, why are you even here? You're, you're, you're pooping in a fishbowl when somebody needs what's happening in the room. Like, you're, you're literally, you're, you're, like, you're destroying the kingdom in the room by your poor kingdom body language. Your body language, your posture in the kingdom matters. Your posture of, like, of faith in a room matters. Like when, when worship starts, your posture to worship matters to the room. The Bible says if you take a step towards God, he meets you instantly. Your posture matters. Proximity, Jesus, anyone who ever received anything from Jesus, you know what they did? They changed their body language. They took a kingdom posture. A man who was blind found himself on the road. He was like, listen, I can't, 
I'm blind. I can't even see. But what I will communicate with, with whatever is left of me is that I want what you have, Jesus. And I'm telling you, your body language to heaven in a room matters. It matters to every room you are in. Your posture of faith, your posture of, of positivity matters. Your posture of, of goodness matters. Your, your post, posture of, of, of love matters. Your posture in the kingdom it matters. Body language matters. How's your body language? What, what are we communicating to our children? Right? So this is maintenance. This is kingdom maintenance. Kingdom culture. Are you creating a culture where like, you're, you're fostering body language that says, I'm all in. I'm here. I want this. I need this. Number three, engagement. Your participation is essential. A lot of us, a lot of us will, um, you see this a lot in, in, in cultures where, um, where people will just come in and they'll take from the room, right? And that's cool. Like, you know, it's good. We want people to, to be blessed by you know, heaven invading a room. But what happens is, is we begin to consume the kingdom and not engage the kingdom. And your engagement, what it does is it brings more of heaven into the room. My question is, are you engaged? Are you engaged in the culture of the kingdom? Like, are you, are you actively participating in what God's doing in the room? What's your engagement like? Your participation is essential. Number four, how to communicate with positivity. It's not, I hear this a lot, I hear this a lot. If we're gonna, you know, if we're gonna have, if we're gonna have a culture that raises the dead, then we're gonna have to like maintain it. We're gonna have to create it, right? I hear this a lot, where There is this, this sentiment that there's not enough communication, right? And it's very accusatory, you know, when somebody says, like, well, you just don't communicate well. And, and I think more importantly is that we communicate positively, Right? So if we're going to create an ecosystem of the miraculous in the kingdom, how do you communicate? Ask yourself this question. When I communicate, how do I communicate? If we're trying to create a culture of kingdom, how do you communicate? It's not, it's not just okay that you say a thing. And here's where we, we let ourselves off the hook. Like, well, I'm just telling the truth. You might be just telling the truth, but you can tell the truth and still not be uh, right with what God wants to do in the room, right? So instead of like, so, so what I want to encourage us to do is when, we're, when we communicate, we say it positively. There's, there's a way to say something that's negative positively. There's a way to address a problem positively. And what I've found is that if you want to create the kingdom, a culture of the kingdom 
that manifest the kingdom, then you have to always be, you, always, you have to always communicate positively. What's your communication like? Like, is it, is it cynical? Is it bitter? Is it toxic? What's your communication? How do you communicate? Ask yourself that. How do I communicate? When I communicate something that's wrong, do I communicate positively? There's a way to say a thing, and then there's a way to say a thing positively. How, do you, how you say a thing matters. It's, it's seeing things with the eye of God as opposed to the eye of the enemy. How do you see a thing? It's important that we communicate with positivity in the kingdom. Number five, creating a safe environment allows for authenticity. Creating a safe environment allows for authenticity. It's important that we create a culture in the kingdom where we all feel safe. I never want to be in a room with people that make me feel unsafe, and neither do you. Neither do you. You love to be in places where you feel protected and covered, where you feel heard, listened to, and celebrated. When you feel safe, you feel Jesus. There's never been a time where I've been in Jesus' presence when I didn't feel safe. And if we're going to create a kingdom culture, then it's important that I feel safe and you feel safe. Because here's what happens. Here's what happens when you don't feel safe. You know what you do when you don't feel safe? You pretend. We have, we have stupid conversations with one another. We have level one conversations with one another. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How are the kids? Oh, they're good. And that's it. And it's all superficial and none of it's meaningful. None of it matters, right? But in, a, in an environment where I feel safe, I can look, you ask me how I'm doing, I can cry. I can, I can lean into you and I can tell you, like, my day was a bucket of trash and I'm dealing with these things and this happened and that happened because I can be genuine when I feel safe. But in an environment where it, I don't feel safe and I don't feel protected and I don't feel covered, I'm not able to be who God made me to be. And you want me to be the best version of what God made. And we need you to be the best version of who God made. We, don't, we can't afford for you to walk into a room and feel insecure and guarded and protected and, and like and offering us an inauthentic version of yourself. If you're, if you're not offering, if we're not creating a room where you feel safe and our children feel safe and they have room to, to make mistakes, big mistakes, I mean massive mistakes, I mean mistakes where they bet everything and they just fail and they still feel like, man, I, it's okay, I'm safe here. Like if we're not creating an environment like that, then, then it, it, it's not the kingdom. It's not the kingdom, because in the kingdom, here's how, here's how I know a, a person loves Jesus. Well, here's how I gauge the presence of Jesus on a person's life. How safe do they make me feel? And that's how you gauge it, whether you know it or not. That's how you gauge it as well. Does this person make me feel safe? Do I feel heard? Do I feel protected? Do I feel covered in their presence? And when you say yes, yes, yes to all those things, you can say, oh, that person has the presence of Jesus on their life because the presence of Jesus will always protect people. The presence of Jesus will always cover people. The presence of Jesus in a room will always will cover the sin of multitudes in a room. So, so we have to create and ask yourself this question. Do I, feel, do I make people feel safe when I come into a room? 
In my family, do I make people faith? In my, do I make my, my, my wife feel safe? Do I make my children feel safe? Do, do, do people feel safer in my presence? If they don't, then the chances, chances are they're, they're pretending around you. And I don't, I literally run from, from environments where I don't feel safe. Like if I, if, if, I can, if I get into a circle, I was in a circle the other day. You know, we're all just sitting around the fireplace and we're all just chatting it up, talking. And, and, and I felt completely safe in that, in that circle. And so somebody asked me a question about what type of music I, I liked. And I'm like, I, you know what I did immediately? You know what I did? I looked around the, I looked around the circle. Like, okay, I can, I, can tell you, I can tell you genuinely. Because if you were to look at my, my playlist, you'd be like confused. Like what? You got... Who, what? That doesn't even make sense, right? But, but, but you, you, I didn't want to be judged for, for saying what I was about to say. And, and you only feel judged in a room where you don't feel safe. So do you feel safe? Do you make others feel safe? Because in a place where they feel safe, they can be genuine. And, and we need you to be you. I mean, I need you to be the best version of you that God made. Like we need, like our, our fishbowl, definitely needs you to be the most anointed version of you that God made. Otherwise, you're robbing our fishbowl of the contribution of heaven that could raise the dead and heal the sick and cast out the devil. Like we need you to be you without judgment, without fear of judgment. You gotta be safe. This, you know what this means though? You know what this means though? It means that like we have to stop being frustrated with people for not being where we are in our faith or feeling insecure about ourselves when we're in rooms where we feel like they're beyond us. You hear me? Oftentimes in, 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 the, in the Christian circles, there is this, there is this, like, this weird expectation of, of outsiders that come in that makes them feel uncomfortable because they're like, I can't, I'm not there yet. And we have to be more patient with people in the process. Like wherever they are, like, listen, it's cool. You know, the, you know we just got through Halloween. I hold my breath through Halloween every year. I'm like, <gasps> you know, I remember, you know, some of you are gonna judge me right now. I don't feel very safe. But I tell you what, when I was doing Studio 7, I did this, I, I said, you know what would be fun? You know what would be fun, guys? I'm talking to a bunch of 18 to 25 year olds. Like, you know what would be fun? We should have a costume party. Holy moly, did I get crucified. I thought I was going to get kicked out of the church and have my membership revoked. I thought, I mean, literally, some of you are looking at me like, yeah, you should have been, you, you Satan worshiper. But I was innocently, it's like, it would be a fun time. You know, we just, we just hang out with one another. We're not going to do what they do. We're just going to do what we do. And, and had to eventually end up canceling it. And then, and then learned a painful lesson. Like, there are certain people I, I, you know, like, I don't feel safe around. And I don't ever want to be the person that makes somebody who's going to be, you know, like what God made them to be. I don't ever want to be the person that, interrupts what God's doing in their life and sows a seed of insecurity in their life and, and causes them to stumble or stop or quit or give up and throw in the towel and be like, this, this, this stinks. Like, you guys are judging me. Like, you know, like, I, I don't ever want to be that person. And so my, my question is, like, do we make people feel safe? And if we don't, 
then we have to. We gotta, like, we gotta work on that. We gotta, that's, that's, that's a seed in the kingdom. It has massive consequence if we don't deal with it. If we don't maintenance these things, they have massive consequence, good or bad. They have massive consequence. Number six. Uh, in, in our fishbowl, we have to eliminate the spirit of comparison. You gotta eliminate it. We have to remove, if we're going to have a kingdom culture, so if we're going to have the kingdom culture, we've got to work on our attitude, we've got to have a good attitude all the time. When it's, you know, like, if we're going to have a kingdom culture, we're going, to have, we're going to have to work on our body language in the kingdom. We're going to have to, do, we're going to, have to engage personally. We're going to have to engage. You, you, know, like, you don't get to just sit there. You've got to engage. We, your faith... Your faith has to develop feet, and you got to do something. you got to engage this thing. God didn't just put you here to come in here and steal from the environment for the, you know, until, you, until you grow so heavy you can't move. No, God put you here because he's like, he's gonna, there, there's a seasons where you're going to be at the table of the Lord, and, there, and then eventually, though, there's going to be a season where you receive from the, the Spirit of the Lord, you sit at the table, and then you turn around after you've eaten and, you, and you've received from the Lord, you turn around and you serve the table. You have to engage. God puts you here to engage. So we have to work on our, our culture. We have to, have to communicate with positivity. We've got to stop. We've got to stop. We've got to stop communicating so poorly. You know, God never, God talked about the end of the world. He talked about it in Joel. He said, in the last days, what's going to happen? I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Your, your, your young men, they're going to see visions. Your old men are going to dream. God's talking about the end of the world. God was talking about the end of the world, and he wasn't talking negatively. Notice that. When God told the end, when he told the story of the end, it wasn't negative. It was like, man, it's going to be an ama- this is an amazing story. Watch what's about to happen in the end. And we've got to start telling stories more positively. We've got to start communicating more positively. Creating safe environments. And then lastly, empowerment versus competition. We've got to start empowering people more in our circles. Like, we have to start clapping more for others than we do for ourselves. Self-promotion has to end. We have to start pushing people in front of us rather than using them to pull ourselves beyond them. Like, we have to empower people and stop competing. This idea, this idea, when, when you get into an environment where it's competitive, and I'm, listen, I don't, I've never lost. I, like Michael Jordan said, I have never lost. I only ran out of time. Right? I, I will compete. I hate losing. Everything's a competition to me. Everything. I remember once we drove to Myrtle Beach as a family. There were about four of us in four different cars. And let me tell you, it was cannonball run, Jack. We were all, like Louis was in a car, I was in a car, Adrian was in a car, Creed was in a car. We were, we were I mean, mass to the gas, trying to get there as fast as we can. You know, like everything's a competition. I remember one time my wife and I, we had a group, this is terrible. We were, we were driving 
and had a bunch of kids in the car. I had a bunch of kids in my car. She had a bunch of kids. We always got a bunch of kids. And then, and then she, we pulled up to the light, and we were going home. And she knew, like, as soon as that light turned green, she was taken off, you know. And you know what I did? I just ran a red light. You know, I just ran. <laughs> I was over there by Crocker Park, and there was just traffic going everywhere. And I'm like, she's not going to beat me. And then I think pressure's in my car. I was like, watch this. Whoa, I just ran. I just blew through the light, took off. And then she's like, you got a bunch of kids in your car. I was like, I just, I know, but I just don't want to lose. I just don't want to lose, you know. But when it's, when it's kingdom. I want to give away victory. Like when it's kingdom, I want to, I just want to push everybody in front of me. Like I just want I just want to, I just want to empower more people, empower more people and understand that the real estate of heaven is not running out in the earth. There is so much territory down here. God has gifted you to do what I cannot do. He has gifted me. You can't compete with me. And the reason you can't compete with me is because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. I mean, I've been made with the spark of heaven. You've been made with the spark of heaven. Nobody can compete with you, man. You, 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 you will not lose as long as you're not competing for somebody else's position. You can't, you can't, you can't beat the other person at what God made them to, to be and do. That, that's them. But you know what we've, the, the enemy does the best? Is he creates this spirit of comparison among us. Where we just, we just, we, we were in a meeting the other day and it's like, all we were doing was like, like one up in one another. I'm like, ah, stop it. Like, stop. Nobody, no, that's not what this is about. We can't, we can't be about comparing ourselves to one another. The kingdom legacy only empowers. It never competes. Fathers of faith don't compete with sons. Daughters, they, they're there to lay down their life. That's what Jesus said. I lay down my life for the sheep. That's what kingdom culture looks like. Real fast, I'm gonna give you eight core values of church on the North Coast. Eight core values. People are first. Ministry is people, and that's our mission. Number two, integrity. Be a principled person. Have integrity. Number three, excellence. Find the line of expectation and exceed it. Number four, growth. It's a core value of growth. The pursuit of the fullness of Christ. That's what we're after. We need to grow. Number five, we love hard. Loving God hard makes loving our neighbor easy. Number six, legacy. Playing for others to win. We have to play for others to win. This is our core values. Number seven, honor. Look for Jesus in everyone. And number eight, loyalty. Wear the jersey of the kingdom. Wear the jersey. It's keys and tees, man. It's keys and tees. Like, it's keys and jersey. He said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, when I, I'm going to give you a robe of righteousness. Just, like, wear the jersey. Amen? Come on, let's stand up as we, as we close tonight. I want to pray for you as we, as we conclude this evening. here tonight every small act of faith has enormous consequence 
I pray for your faith tonight. I pray for your faith tonight. Those who are weary in the room, those who have been in faith for a long, long, long time, fighting the fight of faith, I pray for your strength. I pray for an increase of the kingdom over your life. Attention to the details. Lord, tonight, make us conscious the culture we're creating. Make us so aware tonight, God, of the reality of heaven we are creating on earth. Convict us, Holy Spirit, of areas in our lives where we are not stewarding the reality of heaven that you want to bring to the earth. Bring conviction to our lives when we have bad attitudes. Deal with my bad attitude, God. Bring conviction to my life when my posture is poor. Maybe my, my shoulders are slumped over. I'm not really believing the best of myself. Bring conviction, awareness of the promise you made to us, God. Declare it again in our ears when, when our posture is poor. Convict us, Lord, in our lives when we disengage in the kingdom, when we quietly quit. There's some in this room, you're quitting quietly. Emotionally, you checked out, you're just checking boxes. You're coming, you're coming to church, you're, you're reading your Bible, but quietly, you're quitting. Emotionally, you've withdrawn. And God says, no, no, engage again. Engage again. Engage again. Convict us, Lord. In times in our life when we're not, when we complain when we communicate. We communicate, but really we just complain. Convict us. Convict us, Lord, when we create environments in our homes and our marriages and our church where people don't feel safe. Convict us. And convict us, Lord the spirit of competition and comparison. Lord, we just want to create an ecosystem of heaven on earth, a, he- a place where, where like heaven is so available and so rich and ripe and ready to move on at any moment, God. We just want to create a place where, Lord, just thunderbolts of heaven are able to come and go. There's, there's, the, there's a 
there's a ladder that, that where the angels ascend and descend. We want to place, God, where your spirit feels comfortable, God, and, and, and where your spirit feels welcomed in that place, God. Help us to create an ecosystem on this earth where your kingdom can come and your will can be done. Where we're not resistant to it, but we embrace it. Where we bend, God, in areas in our life, let, make us bend, God, to the areas in our life where we've developed pride and calluses on our heart. When we resist, God, the moving of your presence, God. Tenderize our hearts tonight. Make us more sensitive. Make us aware of the fishbowl of faith we live in and the privilege that we have to invite heaven at a moment's notice. Make us so aware. Bless your people tonight, God, with strength, comfort, victory, joy and peace. We pray for that family that the house burned down tonight, God. We pray, God, provision to them, protection. Thank you for your hand of protection that they weren't there. Now, God, we just pray your, your peace to be with them. You're in this room tonight, now fully surrendered to Jesus. The reality is this. You walk out that door tonight, you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. The fence is owned by Satan. If you're on the fence, it belongs to Satan. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, you just say, man, I, I want to know him. I want my life to have eternal significance. And I want every contribution of my life here to have eternal significance. If that's you, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I repent. Come into my heart and make me brand new. I give my life to you. Take it now. Destroy the works of the devil. I love you. In Jesus' name. Altar ministers are going to come forward. I've got a few of them here tonight. If you need prayer tonight, we want to pray for you. If you need a word from God, need direction in your life, we want to pray for you. If you're watching online, we want to thank you for tuning in tonight. But if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. If you gave your heart to Jesus, let us know. Give us that little emoji with your hand up. We want to pray for you. We love you tonight. Praying for you. Don't forget this Sunday at Church on the North Coast. Bring somebody with you. Celebrate the goodness of God. We love you. We're praying for you. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. God bless you as you go tonight.